Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. My name is Craig Ferguson. The name of this podcast is Joy. I talk to interesting people about what brings them happiness. Make Massimino has done something that I've always wanted to do, and he's been to space. Here's Mike. Do you wear headphones when you're in space? You need to be able to communicate with the ground and with each other, so sometimes we would... Not big ones like this. No big headphones. We had like little, little ones. Like earbuds? Yeah, like, no. Maybe now they do that. Yeah. We had these little... Kind of like the thing, you know, like uh, Janet Jackson would wear when they're singing, you know, Madonna, one thing like this. Oh, yeah. You wear little your head. outfits like that? Something like a little, No, not the outfit. Just I'm talking about the communication <laughs> gear. Yeah, no, I get it. Some of us, you know, you do whatever you want up there, really, as long as the camera's not on. But... But the camera's the headset, on a lot. I think the camera's yeah, on Yeah, but you can, you can turn it off. But, uh, but the little here, it's kind of like a little mic yeah. headset. So you can wear a headset or your, yeah, you have to have something. Now in your spacesuit, when you're spacewalking, you wear a Snoopy cap because it makes you look like Snoopy the dog. Right. And then you have headphones on your, you know, but they're not big like this. Right. There's just little thin. headphones. And they're in microphones, like a com cap is with. And do you have microphone. to, when you finish talking, do you have to say yeah. beep when you're finished talking? No, that happens naturally, but I think they got rid of that thing. They got rid of the beep They got thing? rid of the beep last time I was down there. They called it a Quindar. Do you have a guy that can look up what the hell that means? A quindar? I thought like a, a quindar was a medical name for a lady's uh, personal equipment. It might be. Maybe yeah. that's why they called it that. But yeah. the little beep, yeah. that was called a, yeah. it's called a quindar. And but, I was there a couple of years ago. I'm like, what's going on? There's no beep. And they go, no, we don't. I think why they did that back yeah. in the day yeah. was it was like an actual, when you'd cue the mic, it was yeah. a signal that was sent to kind of clear the line. This is like it was an antiquated thing. Right. So they have like a beep, and we like clear the line. So now the message is coming. Nothing's coming in this direction. 
Well, this is going how up. do you know you're talking to a guy in space if you don't get beep at the I end of the thing? I agree with you. I think they're I ruined agree with it, you. man. That's absolutely all. Now, listen, Mike, I'm talking to you, and right in front of me right here is a book called Moonshot, right? Yeah. And it says it's written by you. Now, yeah. I know you for a couple of years. You wrote yeah. a whole book all by yourself? I've known you a long time, actually. <laughs> I mean, it's been you know, when you first it's had like me on your show. Or something it, it, was, it was in 09. Oh, wow. It was okay. my first late night appearance. Oh, yeah? And it was in 09. So it was four, that's four, over 14 years 14 ago. 14 years ago. So you were saying, did I write this by myself? Yeah. You know, I wanted to. Yeah. I thought, because I, I had written another book. I had his co-writer named Tanner Colby, who's great. He, re, he wrote a book with... Uh, Trevor Noah as well. That oh, right. Okay. Yeah, various, yeah. And he wrote, helped me with my first book. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, now I can branch out on my own. And my agent said, I don't think that's a good idea. I'm calling Tanner. Yeah. So he got it. It was a little bit different than the way we worked together the first time. It was more me writing and then him kind of looking at the stories and telling me what he needed. And right. whereas before I, I told him stories and it was, then he had someone transpose it, you know, to, all right, and they would write it. And then he would write it from that. Yeah, right. So a little bit different, but no, I did have help. I think it's good to have help. Definitely. I mean, I've you know, written three books and I've had yeah. help with it. No, yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be better, with a, especially with someone as talented as Tanner. And I love the guy. He's so much fun to work with. So All yeah, the resources not, in the cockpit. Why not? Every, why not? Everything. Why not? Yeah, you know, yeah, why definitely. not? All right, yeah. so um, NASA Astronaut's Guide to Achieving the Impossible. Right. All right, so here, here's my question then. Yeah. What did you learn? Yep. When you were becoming an astronaut, first of all, yes. here's the thing. I, I know this about you. You're not a pilot. I'm a private pilot. You're a private pilot. Right. But you're and not, so are you, aren't yeah, you? I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah but. Probably more accomplished than I am in the, <laughs> in, in, a, in the private pilot realm. No, I don't know yeah. about that. Yeah, I, haven't, I haven't flown it. I'm like VFR, single engine. Okay, land. that's what I am. That's it. Yeah. Did you do that before you went to space or after? No, I did that before before I was an astronaut. I got my pilot's license. Once we became astronauts, we got to fly in T-38s. So I have a thousand hours of co-pilot time right. in a T thirty eight, high so, performance jet. So we, what, it, what speeds you do in a T thirty eight? It's a mock airplane. It right. could go, but we it would cruise, you know, about 0.91 Mach, so five hundred miles an hour up high at forty one thousand feet. It could go high. Did you do the the sine wave thing to do to practice weightlessness? weightlessness? Yeah, you could do that in that plane or any airplane, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I've do, do the I've nose done it over. In a I didn't mean to. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you can also hey, where'd my pen go? Oh yeah, yeah, that would make you cough. You got to be careful. Right. Uh, but that airplane that we used to use was a KC-135, and then they started using a DC-8, NASA did. Right. And then they turned it over to a contractor. There's a company that does that. It's a company in Vegas or something. Uh, well, Zero Gravity or something. You know, I've, I've, I don't want to mispronounce their name, get it wrong, but there's right. a zero, maybe it's zero G or something. Zero G, something like that. And they do like, this where people paying customers can go, and I think yeah, they'll you just fly, go. remember, they, yeah, you just go in this airplane. And I don't know if it's different than what we did. The parabolas are probably similar. To what we did when we were training. Did you throw up the first time you did it? I did not, but I wanted to. <laughs> Let me so ask we, you I medicated. We would medicate for these things. Oh, you did? Yeah. So this is so they would give us, and ASA gave me, he would give us this thing, it was called Scopedex. And what it was, it was scopolamine, which is like an anti-nausea drug. Right. right. But that apparently makes you a little sleepy. So they didn't like that idea. So they would combine that with Dexedrine or something like that, which is an uh, upper. Yeah, right? yeah Dexy's Midnight Runner. Oh, yeah, so they yeah. would give that combined to us. So, let's go to space. Let's go. Yeah. So then a couple of years ago, I was doing a, I was doing a, a like a commercial video ad for Lego, and they right. wanted to build Legos in zero gravity. 
So they're flying me. We're going to go out. We're going to do this. They couldn't get the airplane here in America. I don't know. We went out to France, to Bordeaux. Right. And flew with this, with a, uh, gravity a French company. Gravity different it's, uh, it's more European. Very, gravity. it was very European. European <laughs> was, gravity. You look good for was, that. Yeah. It was a little bit different, but yeah. it was, it was, uh, so anyway, so I go to my, now like I go to uh, a doctor here, you know, in New York, I have a, like a family doctor. Yeah. And I was like, hey, you know, uh, Dr. Baskin, I need uh, some scope decks. And she's like, what? I go, I need uh, <laughs> the scope. She goes, what is that? I go, it's a scopolamine. She goes, that's not anything real. That's just something they gave you guys. You oh, can't really? get that. Yeah, it's like a it thing. Was bullshit. <laughs> no, but it was a real, I mean, it was a real pill. What they did, yeah. I wondered, you know, you're right. Because they would give it to us in a little, ca- like a see-through capsule. Yeah. And you saw these two things floating around in it. So they kind of made their own concoction. Right. She goes, I can't get, I can't get that for so, you. That's so a it, it was just like a, so it's basically a guy on the way of the aircraft going, hey, you want something? You want, uh, that's what, want the, something flight for the flight? But we had it in space. I flew it. I, I took it before I flew in space as well. Right. So that was a really good anti-nausea drug. But still, I felt, you know, a little how did, how did you get up? You got up on the shuttle? Is on the shuttle twice. Oh. Yeah. That's, so that's like a powerful takeoff, right? That was a lot of power. Shuttle is was huge in comparison to like the SpaceX vehicle where you're mainly right. just putting a few, putting a few people in there. A shuttle can right. carry seven passengers and a lot of cargo, like something like the Hubble Space Telescope or big pieces of the right. of the space station. So, so you a pull lot a of lot power. of G's when you take when you uh, take off. G's are, the G forces to go to orbit are similar no matter what air spacecraft you're in. You ma- get a max of three G's. That's it for about two and a half minutes. That's it. So like in a in a in a high performance jet, you can go much higher. Oh than sure, that. yeah. But it's only for a split second, right? Because if right. you sustain a high G, you eventually, it'll, yeah, it yeah. can get to you, right? So, but with this, you're on your back. So the reason you could pass out in a high performance jet doing a like a six G turn right. is that the you're kind of sitting in a chair more or less, right? And the the velo- the uh, I can't believe I was going to say vector. We can, you know, you know what I mean, yeah. right? You know, I, mean, I don't. The, vo- the velocity. This is a smart audience, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so the vector, <laughs> so the vector, as you understand, of course. The gravity vector now is 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 going through your head, right? Down through your, you so know. it's vertical. So it's vertical, exactly. So that sucks the blood out of your head, and you can pass out, right? In space, you're lying on your back for that reason, so that the gravity vector is going through your through your chest. All right. So you feel it in your chest. I feel like there were three big dudes sitting on me. Not in a good way. Like Not in a, in a good way. It remind me of my playground days as a child. <laughs> well, I was going to get, get, get to that because yeah. you and I are of a similar vintage, right? Yes. I think almost exactly. Almost, right? I'm 61 yeah. now. That's what I am. I'm oh, 61. Right. What so, do you think about that? Is that all right? You or know, i got to be honest. As long as I don't look in the mirror, I don't notice any difference. You look the same to me. I, 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 as long as I don't look in the mirror, yeah. and I'm talking about looking in the mirror, particularly below the neck, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what the hell? What the hell is happening? Because the gravity vector is pulling. I've got some of that super strong American gravity working on at least one of my testicles. At, <laughs> Better not to look. Yeah. You don't need oh, to be looking man. down here. I was thinking yeah. about this. So if I ever get plastic surgery, I'm going to start with my balls. Really? Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, I thought I'd get them plumped and, you know, a lift. Because here's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that were a wheel. Yeah. <laughs> but here's what I thought. Because... Look, it's your balls. Yeah. Like if they if they screw it up, it's not going to look any worse. It can't look. I any don't worse. know. That's a very sensitive area, though. I'd leave those things alone. All right. Well, I wouldn't mess with that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I yeah. I'm not an expert in this area, but I'd leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. it's very important that you get yeah. NASA people onto your podcast and discuss ball plastic surgery. I wouldn't surgery. do that. Nah, I don't want to <laughs> let him mess with that. I wouldn't do that. No. All right. I'll take well, the fair chance. enough. Fair enough. Yeah. But you know, Just you can achieve opinion. the impossible, make your yeah. scrotum look good after the age of sixty. <laughs> but here's the thing: yeah. you and I are a similar vintage, right? Yep. So when I'm when I'm a kid, I'm seven years old. Yeah. 
So you're the same. Yeah. And I see, I'm allowed, because of the time difference, it's on in the middle of the night in British television, Scottish television. Mm -hmm. I see these guys land on the moon. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to be an American. That's when I thought, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was like, I'm, I'm going to be. And a, you are an American. I am an American now, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I, I was like, whatever these guys are doing, that's, that's I'm yep. into that. Yeah. You know? I never I never went to space. I never did it. But mm -hmm. I thought, whatever these people are doing, I want yeah. to be part of that. Yep. Now, well, I'm guessing that had a big effect on you when you were a kid, too. Yeah, I, absolutely. Exactly what you said, Craig. I really? remember looking at that TV set. A little bit earlier than you did, yeah, right? Time-wise. Yeah, it was prime think, time for yeah, you, right? Yeah, and it was like probably about, an, I don't know, we, you know, we could look this up, I guess, but it was around 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock when yeah. he took those, that first walk. And See, that's why I fucking love like America as well. It's like, oh, we got to land yeah. prime time. Right, we we're not missing this. We gotta let, let, let the world time. adjust. That's right. Well, fuck everybody yeah, yeah. else. We need prime time. <laughs> we want prime time TV audience right. in America. See that? Yeah. That's another reason Yeah, to come to America. But I remember saying that, and I was like, I not only wanted to grow up to to do that, I want to grow up to be those guys. I yeah. wanted to be like Neil Armstrong. Right. Did I you ever meet Armstrong? Him. I did. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. I never met him. Damn. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He was he was just great. So the first time I met him, Craig, do we have time for a story here? The first, <laughs> so the I met him. World. It was my first week as an astronaut. No kidding. Can you imagine? He was in town for his physical, his annual physical. Okay. And our training coordinator reached out to us, hey, you want to come speak to these new astronauts? So he said, sure. So... He was he was almost like painfully shy. Yeah, I and heard he that. Didn't about even him, talk yeah. about the moon. He talked about flying the X fifteen and so on. And then we, we got went to Q and A. We asked him about the 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 moon landing, of course. The yeah. first question was about that. But I saw him the next day in the cafeteria. Wow. <laughs> and I go up to him, I had to like say something to him. I didn't want to bother him. Like, it's I don't Neil give Armstrong. a crap. Yeah. I'm going up to him. So I introduced myself and I say, Neil, you know, how did I ask you something? How did you come up with that thing you said on the moon? You know what thing he said yeah. on the moon? One small set for a man, yeah. one giant leaf. I was like, did your wife tell you to say that? You know, how did you come up with that? Did you hire a publicist? And he looks at me, you know, kind of awkwardly. And he says, no, Mike, I didn't think about it until I landed on the moon. I'm what? like, really? Yeah. And I'm like, that's exactly what I said. Are you kidding me? And he says, Mike, if, if I didn't land on the moon, there'd be no reason to say anything. Oh. And then he got shit. serious with me, Craig. Yeah. And he said, look, you're new to this business, Mike, but you know, this is a serious business and bad things happen when you get distracted. Stick to your job, stick to business, and worry about all that publicity stuff after. He's like, you got it? I'm like, I got it. Wow. So years later, Craig, I got asked to send the first tweet from space. Oh, that's right. That's I remember right. First that. tweet yeah, from space, yeah. right? And we have our final press conference, and I get asked, "What do you have you thought about what you're going to tweet? And I'm like, I'm not, I channeled Neil Armstrong. Man, I can picture him. I feel like I had a crew cut like he did. Yeah. I just channeled him, and I said, I'm not thinking about that. We've got to get to space first. If we yeah. don't get to space, there's going to be no reason to tweet anything. I'm not worrying about that at all. I'll wait till we get, I'll worry about that when we get there. So we get to space. I open up the computer and I'm looking at that screen and I realize, Craig, that advice I got from our hero was the worst <laughs> advice I ever got in my life. I couldn't think of a damn thing. And then I'm saying to myself, there's no way he thought of that on the moon. Everyone probably, was listening. Everyone, yeah. you're saying you're listening in Scotland. Oh, sure, yeah. Everyone around the world wanted totally. Everyone knew where he was, who he was, and what he was going to mm -hmm. say. Here I am floating. A few people knew who I was, but no one's really paying attention. You didn't know where I was. No I, one's I listening. Knew, I knew you were. You know, I was. I'm a, a, I'm a space. Yeah, right, yeah, but yeah. I didn't know what. And I'm saying, I'm, no one's paying attention to me, and I can't think of a thing. He must have lied to me. You know what I wanted to tweet? What? I wanted to tweet, curse you, Neil Armstrong. Curse you, Neil. Yeah, but you didn't do that. I didn't do that. What, I wrote, what did you tweet? So what I did is I whatever came to mind. I put it. Launch was awesome. I'm feeling great, enjoying the view. The adventure of a lifetime has begun. 
That was on a Monday. On Saturday, they made fun of me on Saturday Night Live. No. On Weekend Update, Seth Meyers is there. I didn't notice what was going on. I'm in space working. And he he goes, we have the first tweet from space. And here it is. Launch was awesome. (laughs) In 40 years, we've gone from one giant leap for mankind to launch was awesome. And then he continues and he says... I assume if we ever if we ever find life in the universe, I assume this is how we'll be notified. And it shows my little Twitter thing that says, "Geez, dudes, aliens." That's, I don't know. This is the way unfair. I the way I found I found out about this was my <laughs> kids who are like in middle school and high school. Right. They are apparently very excited about this, and so they sent me they sent me some email and like, Dad, they made fun of you on Saturday Night Live, which is kind of awesome. That when you gave think me about a lot it. of credit. And they're like, all the kids at school loved it. Keep up the good work. I finally got some. Finally cred got your kids. So they weren't the impressed that you're going to space. Absolutely but once you get, not. Yeah, they Saturday did, Night they Live. didn't. But they were excited that I got made fun of for the first tweet. But I got that advice from Neil Armstrong. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Look, everybody has stuff that stresses them out and annoys them, and I'm no different from anybody else. For example, I get very irritated that people that wear shoes that look like feet. That's not a big deal, but it's a it's a big deal to me. Obviously, there are much more important things to get worried about. Get them off your chest. When you keep them bottled up, it starts to affect you negatively. Now, therapy is a safe place to do that. That's what I did. And you figure out what's going on with you, work it through, and then let it go. Let it go, you see? That's what, I, that's what I think. I've done a lot of therapy, and I have to say I'm a very satisfied customer. If you think I'm kind of tense now, you should have seen me before I started. I'm actually, I really do recommend it. If you can do it, you should do it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I'd suggest giving better help a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient. It's flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with, you know, a licensed therapist, a proper one, and then you can switch your therapist at any time for no additional charge. I just think it's a good idea. Give it a shot. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash joypod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash joypod. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two caps Capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
You know, it's funny. I've met a few of the guys that have been on the moon. A lot of them have, you know, most of them have gone. Now, just lost a couple. Yeah. Well, well, that didn't let Ken Mattingly. Yeah. Uh, who didn't walk on the moon, but yeah. went to the moon twice and didn't, didn't land. And Ken, uh, Frank Borman. Yeah. Apollo 8 just recently died too. Yeah. Yeah. I but mean, Buzz is still. Is, he's still around. He's still yeah. around and crazier than a bed bug, but. Uh, I'm going to see Charlie Duke later this week. Yeah. If you're in town, you may want to come by. I can't I'll leave in town tomorrow. Uh, whatever. Yeah. But he's going to be here. I'm going to see him. He's uh, He was on Apollo You 16. ever meet Jim Lovell? Yes. He's still around. Yeah, he's still yeah. an amazing character. Yeah. Do you know what? I have a story about this. So mm. I went to the Living Legends of Aviation dinner in California yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. Have you ever been to that thing? No, I've never been. I've never so been. So I go to this thing. I mean, it's crazy. I like Travolta's really cool. there. And yeah. Kurt oh, Russell cool. is there. And yeah. Tom Cruise is there. Yeah, yeah. And there's like all these like celebrity pilots yeah. are there. You know, I've Edward Norton is there. It's crazy. Cool. And, it, and it's all these like, you know, guys that flew choppers. And nah, man. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, I mean, yeah. it's yeah. like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And the person that was being honored, Jim Lovell's being honored. Nice for, you know, bringing Apollo 13 mm -hmm. around the moon and bringing it back. Yeah. And uh, Sully Sullenberger is giving, oh, him the, cool. is giving him the honor. Yeah. So he, so Sully gets up and he says, that he said, I never met uh, never met Jim before this evening. I only, mm -hmm. I only just met him backstage. But he is the gentleman that taught me everything you need to know about aviation. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, oh okay. That's and interesting. I, and he, uh, he said, and here's what it is. No matter how bad things are, no matter how close death mm -hmm. may appear, you gotta sound cool on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you think about it because it's got Houston. Yeah. We have a problem. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. like it's not. Oh shit! Oh, yeah, I'm in yeah, space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we're fucked. We're gonna die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. no Houston. We have a problem. And then yep. Sullenberger is like, this is it, yeah. it's not. And a bunch of birds yeah, yeah, in the yeah, engine. Yeah, 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 what yeah. the fuck? It's like yeah. no. I'm gonna be in the Hudson. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. going into Hudson. <laughs> yeah. Say again. It, going in the Hudson. Going in the Hudson. And Can't what he it. did, yeah. I mean, yeah. that piece of flying, uh, that's Unbelievable. amazing. Yeah. I think people think that that was something to do with, like, the plane can do that on its own or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, what that man did with that plane in the Hudson, that's yeah, crazy piece of, of flying. The decisions he made. Unbelievable. The, so quickly. And, good training. Uh, good training. But the way he was able to make those that quickly, because yeah. there wasn't much time. Yeah. He lost both those engines. And yeah, it was like, like it was unprecedented. It was like a huge flock of birds yeah. just went through the engines. And he says he looked back at LaGuardia and all he saw between him and the field was humanity. People yeah. in the Bronx, people living in yeah, And he's like, that's not going to work. Gotta miss it. Yeah. And I mean, if you if we had a couple of days to figure this out, maybe we'd come up with the right solution. Yeah. He had seconds yeah, and he came up great. with it. That's really the thing that's amazing of how quickly. He well, did the right you thing. get, I mean, if you're traveling at high speeds and, you know, what you mm -hmm. were doing for a living back then, you're yeah. traveling at high speeds all the time. I mean, how yeah. fast does that space station go? Well, that's 17,500 miles an hour. I mean, that's yeah. crazy. I mean, it doesn't look like it's doing that because no. you're, yeah, you get no sense of it, right? No, there's no turbulence. There's right. no wind. There's nothing. And there's no, you know, even your, your visual cues, like, you know, as you know, I, I timed it, right? As you were coming, we hit Baja, California set the timer, hit Miami 11 minutes later. So wow. you know that's pretty fast yeah. going coast to coast. But you have no sensation of it. You don't You don't feel anything. Right. And uh, even coming back, so we, we were coming back from orbit on the shuttle, and you kind of got into this area in the atmosphere where the it's like being in a cloud. Right. Like the particles are, particles are excited, and it's just, it was just gray outside. Right. right. And it's like being in a cloud. No sensation of movement because... There's no, there's no turbulence. There's still no atmosphere out right, there. You're still too high, but you, right? you're still, you're picking up the, the outer particles, but right. you don't have, you don't feel anything. It's still smooth. No sensation of motion, 
nothing, right. nothing out the window. And I look at the velocity indicator was still going about 12,000 miles an hour. Wow. But no, in, no like, sense of it other than what the instrument said. That's insane. And of it course is. that the shuttle landed mm -hmm. with like, there's no flaps on that thing, right? There's they had no, a, they had a body flap. They had, right? they had controls, but there's no power, no power on it. That's so, like, it's like yep. the flying brick they used to call it. Right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it really, very low lift to drag ratio. So it came in, had to come in really almost just like drop out of the sky, like a, like a brick. Oy. Yep. All right. So let's yep. get, let's get back to seven year old Mikey, little yep. Mikey in the playground. He wants to be an astronaut. So how do you go from, where did you grow up again? Franklin Square, New York. So it's right. just outside of Queens. Right. By Belmont Racetrack, that so area. So it's the Paris it's, of America. <laughs> it's a great place to grow up. <laughs> But uh, yes, I didn't know it's the Paris of America. Yeah, it's a Paris You've heard of it from America. America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where it is. Yes. You know what? I have to say, <laughs> you know, that when I first came to America yeah. in 1975, yeah. I'm 13 years old. Ah. I, I go to the, a bowling alley with my cousins. We go to a bowling alley in Smithtown, Long Island. No, that's not good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's the Paris. Right. So I go to Smithtown, Long Island. I'm 13 years oh, old. Oh, my God. And I'm from Scotland, right? Yeah. And I yeah, go yeah. from Scotland, right. Smithtown, Long Island. Yeah. I'm in a bowling alley, and someone says, do you want a root beer? And I went, I, I didn't even know a, a fucking root. I, I thought it was like beer made out of potatoes yeah. or something. Right? So it's That's like, possible. Yeah. So he, see that. he said, you want a root beer? And I went, yeah. And someone gave me in a, an American-sized beverage. So it's about the size of where I live uh -huh. in Scotland, <laughs> yeah. right? It's a root beer over crushed ice in a yeah. bowling alley. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, every time I taste root beer, I still remember that. I taste the root beer, and I'm like, God damn, these people are fucking amazing. <laughs> this is crazy. So first you see Neil on Armstrong moon. on the moon. You want to come to America. Right. And, you're, and you get there and go to a bowling alley. Bowling alley, root beer over crushed ice. Can't I'm like, I was right. Yes. I was right. That's total vindication. Yeah. So how do you get from seven-year-old Mikey yeah. in Queens right. to NASA sitting on the space shuttle, like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, yeah. and then boom. Or they don't even go to one, do they? It's like 10, 9, 7, 6, 5. One and liftoff. Lift. Do they do lift all that? Do they do all that? Yeah. Still. Yeah, liftoff. It's like the Saturn V stuff? Yes. Yeah, same, same countdown? Yeah. Engines. Well, they would be, it would be ignition sequence start at 6. So it would be right. you know, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Ignition sequence start. Right. 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. You know how I know that? What? I, I did. I was. Uh, I, have, I have a very exciting news. This is old news, but... I was the voice of Mission, Mission Control in the most recent Beavis and Butthead movie. Oh, man. Beavis and Butthead do the universe. That's Mike Judge uh, had me cool. do that. So I got to, that, so I got to do that. Beavis and Butthead and space? Right. When they went to space in the cartoon movie, I got to. So, but yeah, they still do it like that. And, and liftoffs. So that's what you say at zero. You say right. liftoff. And so, so, yeah. All right. So you're seven. Let's get back to the playground. Yes. Though. Seven years old. Right. So little Mikey. Mm-hmm. Then Mikey smart? Is he smart, Kid? Is he he's all right? Like, yeah, he's, he's okay. Yeah, is he, he like book okay. smart? Is he? He was. He he liked math. I, I he. I'm talking about. I liked math when I was a little kid. Right. Yeah. So that's got to. You're like gonna need stuff. math. I was right? a good student. Right. I wasn't a real genius or anything, but but you, know, you worked hard. I I worked my I I met my my fourth grade teacher after I became an astronaut. Oh right? yeah. And I go back to my elementary. That's school. good for a fourth grade no, that's teacher. Great. Yeah, oh, sure. yeah, that's great. Nice. So I, I Mrs. Oko. Yeah. And. So she was still, she'll work, and she was a very young teacher when she was my teacher in fourth grade. And she said, oh, you know, I told my kids, um, I have two sons, and I told them I was going to have lunch with a, a former student who's now an astronaut. I go, oh, that's cool. And I go, what'd they say? He goes, and they go, boy, he must have been smart, Mom. And I go, what'd you say? 
And she said, well, I said, well, I'm sure he was bright, but if he was really smart, I would have remembered is what she said. And and she goes, I went on to tell him that sometimes being the smartest isn't the most important thing. No. And it's how you work and work hard and do the right thing and so on. Right. So absolutely. So in the words of Mrs. Oko, She's right. I was probably bright, but I wasn't the smartest kid in that class. Right? You, you know, it's like when people talk about, when people go to Hollywood and they mm-hmm. think they're going to make it because they're super talented. Mm-hmm. They go, yeah, of course you're talented. Everybody here is talented. Yeah. Here, here is like talent. It's like your driver's license. You know, <laughs> yes. It's like everybody's fucking talented. Yeah. What have you got? Do you have a work ethic? Do people yeah. want to hang out with you? Yeah. Are you going to fucking be on time? Yeah. Are you going to be a douchebag? Yeah. Are you going to get the work done? Are you going to prepare so that nobody's waiting around for you to figure right. it out? Right. And it feels to me like maybe you have that ethic as well, right? It's a work I, ethic I thing. I agree. And the little bit I know, like through you as as my friend and other people that are in the the, the entertainment business, yeah. it's the same thing because there are so many great people that can sure. do it. But all those things apply, and people don't always realize that. But the entertainment business is Ugh. relentlessly competitive, man. You've uh, got to want it so bad yeah. to, to, to do that, which is, it shows you have to have that passion, you kind which, of do, which but, is what but, I had for the space program. Well, that's but what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. It's got to be. I, I think being an astronaut is probably cr- pretty competitive as well. There's a lot of people oh, yeah. want to do There's it. There's thousands of people that want to do it. Yeah. And you're gonna. I got told I got rejected three times. On Did my, you really? On my, yeah, I got rejected. I kind of forgot about it. I thought it was impossible. I went and saw the right stuff. You must have seen that. Oh, movie. yeah. That's a great movie. That's my favorite movie. Yeah, that's a great time. movie. Best is that a my man? favorite. You bet it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You damn, no, you damn right yeah, it you is. You damn right Sir, it is. That's is that right. a man? You damn right it is. <laughs> I, right. Sounds dangerous. It is dangerous. Count me in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I quoted that movie the whole, it, that was, we quoted that movie on the on the launch pad. It was just the greatest movie. Yeah. I loved that movie and the book by Tom Wolfe. Yeah. And that rekindled my interest. And then I went to grad school trying to pursue this dream. I got rejected twice outright. Third time I got an interview and got rejected. And so you, well, like, you, you you applied directly to NASA? To yeah, you can, everyone can. You can as well. If you're an American citizen, you can apply. Yeah, I feel like the, I might have missed the boat a little bit. Now, I don't know, point. man. Well, now with all these, uh, you know, the commercial opportunities and... Yeah, I ain't paying a good space. I, I, I ain't paying, but maybe, yeah. I don't know, you, maybe the price comes down or... Maybe the price should, comes you'd down. You'd be like a, I mean, you would, you know, you're a celebrity and you have a great interest in flying. You think someone cool. will take me up? I someone I I don't see why uh, not. Will you, will you call someone at NASA? He's asked NASA. I don't think NASA's the way to go. That's taxpayers' money. <laughs> I'm a taxpayer. Some billionaire. I'm a taxpayer. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah, pay but, my taxes. Yeah, right. but then they got to you know they go, hey, why are you flying that guy? They won't fly me anymore, neither. I yeah, think you need uh, that's you know, right. You got to have a mission, I guess, up there. Ah, uh, yeah, that or a very wealthy friend. I right. Think, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't have any yeah. wealthy friends. Yeah. You're, you're you're the richest guy I know. Yeah, you're you're out of luck. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so I was just I was just trying yeah. to hand. All right. Yeah. So you applied to NASA. You, right. So what did you study at school? Mathematics. I was an engineering student. I okay. was an industrial engineer as an undergrad, and then in grad school, mechanical engineering is what I studied. All right. So you're a mechanical engineer. Yes. You're a qualified mechanical engineer, yep. and you eventually get accepted into the space program. Yep. So, but you're not going to be flying the bird up there. So what no. are you going to be doing? So back then in the shuttle days. There was actually two categories of astronauts. Right. One was the astronaut pilot, and those were the traditional military test pilots. That's the guys who like, say beep when they finish talking. That's, that's right. Those are the, the guys. Ones. They're yes. the guys. Sounds dangerous. Right. Count yeah, me that, in. Those guys, those the guys. test pilots, that's all right. the test pilots. Right. They would be competitive for the pilot job. Okay. And they were trained to fly the shuttle, to do the landings, 
to work all the, all the flying part of it. Cause that was almost like a completely different training flow than what mission specialists went through, which is what I was. So mission specialist was kind of like a grab bag. So all the civilians and also some pilots too, who are military right. pilots, but, but were not selected as pilots. They could be selected as mission specialists. mission specialists. So we were the scientists, engineers, and we were trained to do spacewalks and robotics and work experiments and also work the systems on the space shuttle to help. So you, you have a working knowledge of how to repair and maintain the space shuttle? Is that the uh, idea? Yeah, well, for us, it's like, so it's like doing, the repair of it came in if you have damage like um, in orbit and you need to go out and do a spacewalk to do that. But it's mainly right. just, just working the systems, working the communications, uh, working the cooling systems, working all the different things for rendezvous. Right. It's not just a two, you have a pilot. They don't have a pilot and co-pilot. We had a commander and pilot. Never, right, okay. No one wanted to be called a co-pilot, apparently. Right. So you have a commander and you have a pilot and then you had a bunch of missing specialists. So we would help with the rendezvous. We would work the space shuttle robot arm. We would do the spacewalks, be primarily responsible for, for the experiments, but also know enough about the space shuttle so that we could be helpful. We were also trained as flight engineers. So you have the two people up front right. who are flying, right. and then a person in the middle, like in the old airplanes used to have like yeah, a navigator, like navigator kind of guy. seat. Yeah. So you had, you had that person, and you had another person next to them. You had two mission specialists behind the pilots who would assist with helping with emergencies and reminding of so you, have you got, in the checklist uh, Have you got so like checklists to go mm -hmm. through like uh, at the start of a, a mission, like yeah. you do this, Juan, you do, everyone talks to each other. Yeah. Do you yeah. check the checklists yeah. and all that kind of all stuff? All that stuff, especially right. in the shuttle dates because it was all manually flown. Right. Everything was done manually. And the pilot on my first flight, Dwayne Carey, Digger, this guy from Digger uh, the Air Force, Digger <laughs> Carey, was an A-10 pilot and then an F-16 pilot. God damn. A military yeah. test, but cool guy, yeah. really cool haircut. So Digger, a good friend of mine, I asked him a couple of years ago, how much of your training to fly in space did you not use in space as training as a pilot? Because they had to know every emergency. They had yeah. to know everything. The percent he did not use, he said 99.99999% of the stuff that I used, that I was trained for, I never used in space. Because typically everything goes okay. Well, I mean, that, but that's learning to fly a plane, isn't it? You learn, that's why it's so terrifying. Because you, you, you learn all the wrong. scary stuff. Yeah. That's and, a good point. you know, yep. probably never use it. That's right. You know, but Hopefully. you better know it. You better know it. Uh, but now with the newer systems like the SpaceX Falcon, for example, right. that is uh, not the Falcon, the Dragon, the Falcon's the launch vehicle, but the, the Dragon spaceship, that is so automated that it's, it's a completely different situation. You don't have to know all these things like we did with the, it, it reduces the training flow down to See, to I very have little. a hard time with that. And I'll tell you why, yeah. because of redundancies. If everything is in mm -hmm. automated, yeah. so an automated redundancy program kicks in mm -hmm. if one system fails, and then if yeah. that system fails, typically in aviation, yeah. it's like three redundancies, right? Mm -hmm. But if they're try, all yeah, running through the same program, yeah. I feel like that mm -hmm. isn't three redundancies. That's yeah. one redundancy. Well, the, the pilot is still the, is still the backup there. Right. They still get trained to handle some things. Right. But what we found, like, like there were things like uh, we were saying, oh, Astronauts need to, and this new spaceship need to control these 100 things. Right. And then they would come back and they say, well, for like, let's say 90 of these things, there's a greater chance of you killing yourself as opposed to the automation handling. Right, like, right. Okay, we're going to let the automation we're do We're going to let that. the automation you know? do But there's yeah, always, yeah. there's a few things that, that people will always be able to do, I think, as the, as the backup to the backup to the backup. Has technology changed, like the AI changed the uh, space program immensely? Is it, has it... I think so, yes. Yeah, it makes it's, it better, it's, makes it easier, safer. It, it, it does, yeah. And yeah. I think it does make it safer 
because it's your the design of the spaceships are safer too. The shuttle was was a dangerous spaceship. Yeah, and the odds of total destruction and loss of crew were well, one we out of seventy five. We saw that. We uh, saw that yeah. twice. Right, yeah. two major accidents, and you would keep losing them if you kept flying them. Yeah, eventually something else would happen. They were getting old. That's a unacceptable level. Of that risk, is not one of seventy five. No, no, that is not good. You know, that. no, that's not yeah. good. Right. So, but the newest, if you think of it, the shuttle, it had its its thermal ex, uh, protection system was right. exposed, which is how we lost the second the second space shuttle. Right. Even your aborts, you had to come back to the launch site, or you had to go across the ocean yeah. to make it to a. You needed a runway. Right. Where and you couldn't separate from the stack until after until after a few minutes. You could not just right. get out of there. When it was a problem, so you couldn't abort stuck. from the stack. And that, that thing's not. full of that's a, that's a flying bomb. It's a flying bomb, and right. you can only the only even the only abort scenarios we had was after the solid rocket boosters left, and that was two minutes in. Right. There was no abort before then. You would did you, you could, when you're going up, you sweat for the first couple of minutes. Yeah, the first yeah, couple yeah. of the it was more you know, and it really was. It was scarier looking at that spaceship, man. After yeah. the, on the my first on the way launch, to it. Yeah, standing outside of it, you know, we arrived, it was a night launch, my first one, and yeah. we got out there in the middle of the night, and, yeah. you know, it was dark, which is, you know, it's always scary in the dark, right? Yeah, it's there's always no, scary you know, in the dark, I, I hear you. And there's no one around, the place mm -hmm. is deserted, because they put fuel in there, and once they put, get away. Yeah, because you have a bomb sitting there, yeah. you know, and like, everyone get out of there. There's only a few people around, and we get, well, it's all lit up really brightly, and all the support structures, it looks like a spaceship. Right. And it's this smoke coming off of it, it's just yeah, the water the, vapor. Yeah, and yeah, you, and you hear these really, yeah, you hear that, and you hear like these groans. I think it's like the cryogenic fuel going. Yeah, through the, and I'm like, what the? And it looked like a, it looked like an angry beast. Yeah, right. And it sounded angry. And I was looking up at that thing that night, and after all these years of, you know, you were saying since we were little kids dreaming of doing this. Yeah, it hit me. Maybe this wasn't such a good idea. <laughs> too fucking late. It was too fucking late. It's right. <laughs> yeah. I had to get on. Once I, once I got on, I was okay. Yeah. And that was, once you get in there, it seems normal. It's really weird. It's like thinking about it is worse than doing it. But we were so well trained. We had stuff to think about and stuff to do. And we had emergency placards. And I, the emergency placards were like, right. When, once we took off, I realized I had no control over this thing. It was either going to be right. a good day or a bad day. Right. And I was looking at that placard, which tells us what to, you know, unstrap, remove your comm, pull the green apple, which is your oxygen. Thing. Uh -huh. All these things. I'm like, this is just something there to read while we die. <laughs> you know? And I was like, my oh, suggestion shit. is like, why don't we get a couple magazines or something up here? Because this ain't going to help. Yeah. You know, this is not what I want to be looking at in my yeah. last couple seconds here. That's yeah. So you get, there's one thing you talk to me about. Mm -hmm. You do the rendezvous in space, and it just occurred mm -hmm. to me that if you're traveling at the super high speeds, which is 17,000 miles an hour, yeah, or it's fast. and you're connecting with another vessel that yes. is traveling at that that's speed. That's correct. So if that goes wrong, that's a fucking mess <laughs> right yeah. away. Isn't you're it? flying in formation Jeez. at that speed. And it, it was a manually flown rendezvous on oh with the shuttle. So God. these pilots, man. These pilots, like the guys you were saying at that aviation event that you were yeah, at, yeah. They, these are the best pilots in the world that are doing this stuff. That's I, I so crazy. Yeah. But you're flying in formation at 17,500 miles an hour. So when you do a rendezvous with another another spaceship, or a spaceship mm -hmm. comes up, at that point, do you get a sense of, a sense of perception about the, the speed? Or because they're traveling at the same speed? They're traveling just, the same. So right. it's all relative, and it's... It's like kind of, you know, you travel, if you've flown in formation with another airplane, sure, you can be going yeah. quite fast, you yeah. know, but relative to that other airplane, your whole world's that other airplane right. when you're doing that. And you might look at the airspeed and, and scare yourself, yeah. but, you know, because you're, you're flying, but it's kind of like that. You don't realize that you're going that, 
that quickly. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and you were up there for a long time, right? Uh, not by today's standards. It was 12 days and 14 days, my two missions. Right. Long now these guys me. are up there six months. We had one dude, my friend Scott Kelly was there for nearly a year. Frank Rubio just returned after a year. He got stuck there for a while. A year? Yeah, over a year. In space. Like, first yeah. of all, you, what exercises are you doing to keep got going? So when we were there, we, we you know, a couple of weeks isn't that much of a, right, a it's not big, that big deal. deal. You're, not, you're not going to atrophy laying around. for. It's kind of like you're on bed rest in, in zero gravity. Right. We were spacewalking. That's exercise. And we had like, we had to like these therabands to try to keep some of your muscle and, <laughs> you know, the things you pull on, you know, those things. Like, and then, and we had a bike to ride, a ergometer, uh, a stationary bike. A little bike. kind of like Peloton type thing. Yeah. And it was a NASA's own invention. Yeah. yeah Peloton would have been a step up. Yeah. I think there's something like that now. Probably. There, yeah. They, they probably have a Starbucks up there or not. You can't get good coffee up there. <laughs> you could, like I didn't drink coffee this... when I was an astronaut though. Well, didn't you, want to be dependent on it. I also think the but idea of being a little caffeinated in space and you really get nothing to do is probably not a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Let me ask you this. You're talking about doing spacewalks. You've done yep. spacewalks. Yes. So you go out. This is a vehicle traveling at 17,000 miles an hour. Yes, quite fast. So you're getting out of this vehicle. Right. You are also traveling at 17,000 miles an hour. Yes. Now, but you're not experiencing any sense of motion Nothing. because there's no friction. There's no, and there's, yeah, and there's no reference either. It's right. Like looking at the planet. You're like, oh, that's, but it's so far, it's, you know, far away from you. Right. So it's kind of like when you're flying and you come up to a cloud. Right. You know, you, you think you're going, maybe you're going, you know, 
And then all of a sudden, you come up to this cloud. Yeah, and you boom, and it's boom, gone. It's gone. Yeah, right? that's like, crazy. Whoa, crap. Yeah. Or if you're in a, if you and you got stuff going by in a cloud. Yeah, like, yeah, Whoa, yeah. what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. And it's like ah, I'm going fast. Right. But when you're out in the open space, you don't necessarily you feel get it, it, right? Yeah. So, so that, we don't have any turbulence or any of that. So there's no cue to let your brain know that you're going fast. So you're not except get, for the indication on that instrument. So what about the the psychological impact? This man. I mean, you were up mm -hmm. there for a couple of weeks. I yeah. think even a couple of minutes for me <laughs> would be there. There's questions you ask yourself, man. You, I mean, you you're like, who am I? Yeah. Where am I in the sense of things? Yeah. Here I'm. Like you get to see the universe mm -hmm. in. Like you get a sense of how small you are in the and how small our planet is yeah. in the sense of things. Did it do a number on you or any of your buddies psychologically? The people do they do they even debrief you with that stuff? No, we don't. It's not. You may talk amongst yourselves, but it's not. It's right. more something that's of interest to people outside of NASA. I think when they ask us about that, I that's interesting. But but I never felt small, man. Because you look this planet we have, it is beautiful. Oh, it is like a paradise, doubt, right? Yeah. So Compared I mean, to the other planets as the well, I mean, they're balls suck, of gas man. and a bit yeah, of rock. frozen and crap. And fuck those guys. I mean, like, best, I mean, really. The worst place that you can imagine on our planet is a paradise on Mars, man. Compared that, to that's it, yeah. rough, right? Although, no. I've had this idea for Mars. Yeah, the, yeah. See what you think. Like, I think we, we go to Mars mm -hmm. and set off a bunch of nukes. Uh, oh. Yeah? All right, okay. And uh, create an atmosphere. What do you think? Would uh, it work? I don't know. I just thought it might, <laughs> thought it might be cool. But <laughs> at least we could just work. like set up some nukes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You probably, I don't know. I don't know. And what like would get, uh, maybe put some like water in the bombs and then that, like that would get in the atmosphere. You know, you know what I'm saying? Oh. Yeah, Look, I don't I, know if that would work or not. <laughs> But it's 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 that outside of the box thinking is what we need. Well, not necessarily that, but that's you know that's very creative. Have you asked anyone beside me about this? That you submit it. Maybe it is. Uh, look, I'm asking you because you yeah. have a degree. I do. You went to college. Right. And you've written books, and I'm going to ask you about right. the book in a minute because right. I know we get sidetracked with that's, little Mike becoming a, an astronaut. Okay. So. That's you in get, a book, by the way, too. So well, it's, it's, a, a, it's a book about book. her becoming an astronaut. Yeah. But interestingly, because yeah. I talked to you. Yeah. When you came in, I saw you were wearing a suit. Now I'm like, and it was a fancy suit. And I'm it's like, very fancy. So yes. I'm like, you, you look fancy. You were telling me you were speaking to a bunch of businessmen about yes, yeah. motivation. You yeah. do a lot of that now? I do. Yeah. I do a, f a few of those a month. I've got uh, three this week. So it's a busy week for that. So when yeah. you talk to people about decision making under pressure? Yeah. All kinds of things. Today it was uh, about leadership, like how we uh, okay. leadership, promoting people. Were you, from, were you in charge when you were in the space station? No, I was mm -hmm. not the commander of the spaceship. Right. But, but I was in for other projects that I worked on at NASA for my spacewalks. I was the lead on my spacewalks. Right. So the commander of the of the uh, space shuttle was oh, it was our commander who was a pilot. It was commander of the missions. Right. For the space station, no, it doesn't have to be a military test pilot who's in charge. But right. I never was at the space station. Right. But we had other, you know, like I was I was the lead guy for my spacewalks and for other projects that I worked on. So uh, I talk about some of the lessons that I learned there about well, leadership. Tell me about that then. What yeah. did you learn about leadership? So one, the the uh, I learned this from Alan Bean, who was the fourth person right. to walk on the moon. I think I met him. And uh, you, you might, he's an artist as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure amazing I met Alan. Amazing person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he drew, he painted these amazing landscapes of yeah. his experiences. Yeah. And very nice man. He passed, unfortunately, a few years ago. Yeah, that's um, right. I, I didn't meet him, yeah. But he um he told me that the key to being a good leader was to find a way to care for and admire everyone on your team. So you have to figure out a way of where every one of those, everyone who you're, who's looking up to you that you're leading, 
figure out a way to care for and admire each one of them. And they have to know that you care about them. And if you find someone that you just don't like, Mm. right? Don't think of it as that you don't like them. Think of it as if you don't know them well enough and take the time to get to know them and get that good thought. I call it, uh, in the book I write about, it's like your bank of good thoughts. Yeah. Try to get a good thought about everybody. So when they do something that might aggravate you or they do something wrong, go there first for that good thought before you address the problem. You live your life like that? You I try that to. On the freeway and stuff I try like to, that? I yeah. try to do that. <laughs> and then I have a different approach in the car. That's yeah, a different yeah. approach in the car. Well, you I try know, to picture like my mom and, is the driver. Yeah. And I'm not, that's what I, I'm not going to scream at him or well, something you know, like that. I, I you know, know what, what I mean? I mean? Because you never know who the driver is. You never know. What it could d- be you next to me. You well, know, you know what? I could be in it. Or it could be me doing it. I always try to think that maybe it's like a nurse or a doctor and he or she is like getting somewhere or just come from something really hard or, you know, like, Try and get it in perspective. Yes. I, I don't always manage that. I got to be honest with it, you. It depends. Yeah, you know, I, I drive around a lot, a lot here in New York. Do you drive really? in New York? No, I do. I don't, I don't really drive here. And right? I, I, I don't mind it, but you've got to have patience because people are working. Yeah. You know, people are either they're driving people places or unloading yeah. things. People are earning their living out there in those streets, man. Well, it's, you don't want to hold them up. It's you got to understand. It's a funny thing about New York. I mean, it, it, it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine. I said, you know, I, I moved mm-hmm. back to New York because I'm in New York now. Like a oh, lot of, really? Yeah, and a lot of the time I'm in right. New York. And so up near you, actually. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. So <laughs> You probably don't want to give away your address. Well, so, in the general it? area. Yeah, yeah. I okay, could say cool. I'm on the Upper East Side. And right? That's right. Right, right, right. It's, if I knew about the Upper East Side, great. I swear to I would have never wanted to go to space. Yeah, don't you love that neighborhood? It's the greatest neighborhood. It is, is like Disneyland. Greatest neighborhood. On steroids for, old, for older people. Unbelievable. I love it. I'm yeah. telling you, you can get to a drugstore, you oh. can get a bagel. <laughs> nice people, there's <laughs> dormant everywhere, yeah, keeping an eye on dormant stuff. Dormant are everywhere. Fantastic. It's awesome. Thousands you know what, of dogs. You know what I <laughs> discovered here? You you like to drive. So here's the thing I discovered. It's a parking ticket twice a week, 65 bucks. That's it. To park on the street. Yeah, but yeah. you only get a parking ticket twice a week. Yes. That's the cheapest fucking parking in New York. This is a true statement. Yeah, so you, you just illegally park. Pay your tickets. This is, and you may not even get a ticket. You every might time. not. You might not even have to pay. You might not get it. Anyway, look. What no, I'm you're saying. absolutely right. But I still, <laughs> I park on the street a lot. I have two. I have spots in the garage, but I also park on the street sure. a lot. To me, it's like a hobby. Where to park? When? I, you you can, got, I know. You, I know that I have the streets memorized now. I yeah. know where it is, where the hydrant is, where the driveways are, well, and it's got, like something to do. It's like a hobby. Know. Gotta know. Yeah. So I said to someone, I would spend a lot more time in New York. Mm-hmm. Like now, for tax reasons, I can't spend all my year in New York. But I spent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I spent. I know, a, found out about that too. So I, you know, I'm less than 180 days a year in New York City. Genius. But I said to someone, I'm going, I'm going back to New York, and, and he said, "You hate people. Why would you go to a place that's full of people?" <laughs> I said, "It's New York. Everybody hates people in New York. We're amongst our own kind." <laughs> It's fine. No one takes offense to that. Yeah, it's You're not fine. supposed to like Get it. out of the way. You yeah. get out of the way. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a thing. It's the way it is. Yeah. yeah. And I was I was talking to Eliana Douglas today. You know the actress, Eliana Douglas? Okay. She's a great actress. And cool. she's a real New Yorker. Uh-huh. And I said to her, I think what happens is if you are, like if you come to New York, because uh, I lived in L.A. for 23 mm-hmm. years. Yeah. She lived in L.A. for like 14 years. Mm-hmm. But if you're a New Yorker, it doesn't matter where you, it's kind of like 
the IRS. Like, it doesn't matter where <laughs> oh, you yeah, fucking no, go. You don't, yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah, matter where yeah, you go. Right. They're going to come and get you. And I think but for New the York's, taxes, you mean? Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, I tried living in Scotland. I'm like, yeah, but you're an American citizen. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> you're not <laughs> going to get shit. They're like, no. well, that's very yeah, nice. No, I'm not, I'm not a CPA or anything, but I am amazed that the creative ways that they'll get my money from God, here. My God, my God. No one can afford to live here yet. How many people do we have? 10 million? Yeah. Here in, 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 yeah, I don't in know how New we York. Do it. I don't know how it's done. Yeah, but, but we do it. You know, you just have to take turns living here. You just have to <laughs> yeah, find out how much they're going to let you yeah. be here, and it's like a take a little share. less than that. <laughs> yeah, 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 and then yeah. and that's what it is. Yeah. So now, then, at this point in your life, you and I are yep. the same age, and I, yep. I kind of, I'm not retired. I couldn't retire. I t- I tried sort of retiring. It drove me, it drove me crazy. I hated yeah. it. You know, I started doing like home improvement uh, and all yeah. that. Ah, it's awful. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's, it's overrated. Putting up shelves and stuff. Not, it's, it's hanging I mean, out it's, with my wife. Well, that's nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was great. You yeah, know. yeah. But too much? Uh, yeah, I start to yeah. irritate her. I yeah, start that, to well, irritate the other thing. Yeah, I've yeah. noticed that. If that I'm there too long, too. it's kind of like, don't you... Yeah, don't you have something to do? Now's the time for me to read. She said, I didn't marry you for lunch. So what do you what do you do like you do the speaking engagements now? Yeah, right? I really like that. and that yeah and and that stuff has been you know we talked about leadership or teamwork whatever we're going to talk about and that's how the book came about was through that stuff was right. from doing that speaking what resonated with, you, with the audience? You should probably have a podcast. Everybody has a podcast. Yeah, I tried podcast? it. Did you really? <laughs> I, tried. I did it with a buddy of mine. It was called this other astronaut Garrett Reisman. It was called Two Funny Astronauts. Yeah, it was the two of us, and it was all right. But yeah, that's that's you have to uh, keep making them. You got to keep making. We I did know. like twenty five of them. Like ah, that, we're out of it. Yeah. So we we, we kind of like that. But uh, but I do I teach at Columbia. I'm uh, on the faculty there. That's a so pretty I fancy teach. job. That's you could wear job. your that's fancy a, suit to that. Uh, yeah, not really though. It's kind of it's a little more the fancy suits for more of the speaking engagements. Well, but but, but, but man, it is, you're, it is you're a, a good professor. Job. Yeah. There? I'm a professor there. Yep. That's so. Are you uh, Doctor Mike then? I am. Well, I've got my PhD. So that's yeah. very impressive. Yeah. Maybe oh. you should do advice on TV. No, I I don't know. <laughs> I, I uh, Doctor Mike. Yeah, I'm trying. I can do advice on your podcast. Sure, should we get any sure. advice here? All right. Probably so not. Like, here's here's the yeah. thing, Doctor Mike. Yeah, go ahead. Right. So sometimes I feel so insignificant and small in the vastness yeah. of the universe. Right. And 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 I worry about God. And if he's there or she's there or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and I, I just, I have a lot of existential angst. Now, you've mm-hmm. been in space, Dr. Mike. Yes. How should I cope with that? I wouldn't worry so much about that. I would try to enjoy the planet while you can. Ah, right. And uh, I don't think we're insignificant. I think that looking at our planet from space and then, you, you know, you look out, we were talking about those other planets out there. I mean, you look to the, to the blackness in the other direction. You know, we've checked out the neighborhood. We've got nowhere to go. We've right. got to make this planet work. And it's fragile. You can see the thinness of the atmosphere, but it is an absolute paradise. And Jim Lovell, we mentioned him earlier. Yeah. I was telling him about this. I go, you know, the, the, it's like looking into heaven. It's beautiful. You know, when you look at our planet, I can't imagine anything like it yeah. anywhere else. You know, there's, I think there's life other places, but it's so beautiful. And he said, uh, Jim Lovell told me, he goes, Mike, you know, a lot of people hope that when they die, they'll go to heaven. I'm convinced where we were all born there. Oh, interesting. And so I think we should, after that experience I had of looking in space, looking at the, the planet, we're really, we really have it pretty good here. 
Even if you don't live on the Upper East Side, yeah. we have it. We should try to. That's what I would. That would be my advice. Try to try to be amazed by what we have right now around us. And there's a lot of crap going on. I'm sure you know. Yeah, there's a lot of, of bad things going on. Sure, but we are really given an opportunity here to live on a, in a beautiful paradise. Are you a religious man? I'm a spiritual person. I'm kind of mm. a fallen Catholic at this point, but uh, I, uh, I, 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 I believe I, 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 sure. I believe there's a, I, that's, here's one. I got one for you. All right. Are so, you Craig? If I can ask, I, I think, I know it's your podcast. I'm not, not a religious person. I think yeah. religion is a human vanity. Right. Ah, right? Okay. But I, but I think that the idea of a divine nature yeah. of the universe, totally. I'm with you. I think there's All something right. going on. So, or at least that's where I interpret things. It allows yeah. me to interpret things. So whatever. I, I heard, I read this yeah. thing about the early, Christian mystics, pre-Roman uh-huh. yeah. Christian desert mothers and fathers, uh, St. Yeah. Anthony, uh, Abba Pima, Origin of Alexandria, mm-hmm. and Evagrius of Pontus, all, mm-hmm. all, a lot of different people. I think Some it was pretty or- fancy names. Fancy I don't know names, if I know those fancy people. theological names. Yeah, Sounds, well, you're okay. Catholic, so maybe you should. But they, <laughs> here's the thing. Well, they were pre-Catholic, though. They were pre-church Christians, yeah, right? All right. Pre-Roman church Christians. Mm-hmm. Now, Origin of Alexandria mm-hmm. said... God is in silence. Silence is God. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I was thinking about that, and I, I was watching a YouTube thing with one of my boys when I was little, and it was mm-hmm. a, one of those YouTube things. It was extrapolating from like a blade of grass all the way out to the size of the universe. It yeah. was like animated and all that. One of these things you end up watching with 10-year-old kids. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was talking about the black holes in the universe and the life of the universe mm-hmm. and that the universe really... You know, when it comes down to it, in the in the, it'll be about mostly black holes. It's okay. mostly black holes, mm-hmm. which are completely silent, mm-hmm. and nothing happens there. And mm-hmm. Origin of Alexandria, two thousand years ago, said, "God is silence, mm-hmm. and there's nothing happening." That's uh. what it is. So I think the science and theology, which yes. is not. Uh, dogmatic, but a genuine quest to mm-hmm. try and explain yep. your existence, mm-hmm. I think they're both the same thing. I happen to agree with you. I think that there's no reason why they need to be in conflict. And I think the more we learn, the closer we get to the truth. And I think that's that's what we'll find out. I think that I think the truth is what we're seeking when we go to space, actually, when we're exploring, observing, trying to figure out what's going on. And I think it'll bring us back to to that, Bring to us that back spiritual to the, sense of it. it. Is what it and is. there's no reason why it can't coexist and agree. It doesn't think, have to be I a fight. I think that's right. And I think the only reason that, the only times it doesn't agree is when you get people that are not prepared to uh, accept new information. Yes. So yeah. you go, well, well, we have new information. I, I talked to them before one of my kids was born. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my first boy was born. I was talking to the obstetrician and I said <laughs> to her, so, you know, she was explaining something yeah. about the baby this and the thing yeah. that. And I was yeah. like, oh God. <laughs> and, and she said, the I said and the thing that, and the heartbeat this, and the thing that. And I, and I said, how much of this stuff are you, you know, of the progress mm-hmm. from, you know, conception to birth, how much mm-hmm. of it do we actually know about? She said, well, if you'd asked me that, you know, 15 years ago, I'd have said we know about 50 or 60%. Yeah. She said, but now we've learned so much more. 
I'd say we know about 10%. That's right. That's it. I love it. Yeah. And I was I like, love it. oh my God. Yes. That's a yes. real scientific answer. Yes. The more you know, the less, less you know. You, you find out what you don't know. Right. Absolutely. So uh, if you walk away I from the that. experience you have in your life, right? Mm-hmm. You've been a space, you've seen what very few mm-hmm. human beings have been prevalent enough to see, and you've walked away with it, not only intact, but with, with like, I feel like you're an optimistic person. I feel I like certainly you're, am. Yeah. I would like to think that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So when the time comes for Mike's corporal tabernacle, for the, <laughs> the, the realm of which you physically mm-hmm. possess right now, what do you, what do you think happens? What do you think happens when it's time to shuffle off this mortal coin? Oh, after when we die? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's but, a great answer. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know, and uh, I hope it's good, but sure. I don't I don't know. I and and we don't I don't you know, we have a belief maybe of what happens. People sure. have certain beliefs. Yeah. So that's why I think we gotta make the most of this. <laughs> We've gotta take it's not you know, and I, I do believe we're in a paradise and and uh Dan Brown, the author, who yeah, writes sure, all yeah. that, you know, about yeah, the, yeah, the Vinci thing. Code guy and stuff. The Vinci Code guy. I was yeah. having a similar conversation with him, and he said, you know, like, God has given us a, a paradise to live in. Everyone wants to die and go to heaven. Like, this yeah. place sucks. I want out. You right, know, right. this is terrible. But if you look at it, he gave us this beautiful, if you believe in God and you, and you think of the creation that we have, it is a beautiful place with opportunities to do good and to help people and to, to create laughter and entertain sure. people like yeah. you do and to... To have a, you know, to love people and be nice and enjoy what we, it's a wonderful place. What, what would be different about heaven than what we could have here if you look at it? We could have it here, but what you'd have to do is, is everyone would have to live in the Upper East Side. Everyone. (laughs) (laughs) That's really, you're getting us in trouble with New York. (laughs) That's right. We got to restrict this podcast to a certain zip code. (laughs) It's the Upper East Side Because, I mean, other people are going to come for us You know, that's right. The West Village, go fuck yourself. Fuck you. (laughs) West, the Upper West Side, get out of here. Yeah. All right, we got to go, Mike. We it's do. always a pleasure. And, and, right. and, and I, I do want to plug your book one Thank more time. Thank you very much. Moonshot, a NASA astronaut's guide to achieving the impossible. Greg, it's great seeing you. It's lovely to see you, Mike. Always a pleasure. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth, no matter who you are, that mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules 
a day. Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.